And we thank you for becoming family. Hallelujah. If you want to turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 1 through 13. I give thanks and honor and praise unto the ministry. Thank you to the praise singers, the musicians for doing a most excellent job. In your desire and your burden to touch the hem of his garment. Thank you so very much. Thank you to those in the back who desire to do a most excellent job. Thank you to those who are watching online. If you could not make it this morning, we appreciate you for joining us. And those who are in the house this morning, hallelujah. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 1 through 13. It says, Moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware that all our fathers were under the cloud. All passed through the sea, all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. All ate the same spiritual food and all drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. But with most of them God was not well pleased, for their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. Now these things became our examples to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted, and do not become idolaters as some were of them. As it was written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Nor let us commit sexual immorality as some of them did. In one day, 23,000 fell. Nor let us tempt Christ as some of them also tempted and were destroyed by serpents. Nor complain as some of them also complained and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now all these things happened to them as examples. And they were written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the ages have come. Therefore let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Hallelujah. If you'll put your Bibles down and give the Lord a hand clap of praise as you are seated. Father, we love you. We praise you. We pray, Father, as you speak to us today, that there will be transformation in this house. That there be miracles and signs and wonders in the Holy Ghost as you speak to heart and mind and soul. Move as you've spoken to. We give you glory and praise in Jesus' name. You may be seated. I will speak today about how to lose a revolutionary war. How to lose a revolutionary war. Now, my teaching degree, as I taught back in the day, has been many years, but my specialization was in history with an emphasis on British history. I think that might explain my son's fascination with British, all things Britain. Maybe it's genetics. But in completing my bachelor's degree, my thesis and one of my major studies was over the Revolutionary War. And so we had studied not so much why the Continental Army won, because if you think about it, we like to think as Americans that, you know, the Continental Army won the war. But in reality, it's why the British Army lost. Because in time, if you study the context of the Royal British Army and the Royal British Naval Fleet, they should not have lost. There's no reason if you look and study armies 
and actual warfare, they were the most powerful military in the world at the outreach of the war in 1775. France, Spain, Netherlands, they had really good naval fleets, but nothing compared to the mighty British army. They had conquested all over the planet. They had taken islands and lands. They would mowed through India and China, Africa, Western Caribbean. Other European nations made sure to honor treaties. They didn't step on British land. They left mighty United Kingdom alone. They wanted to make sure that they were on the good side of the queen and the king. Yet here was this undermanned and poorly supplied group of volunteers outnumbered well beyond three and four to one. But today we do not sing God save the queen, nor do we use the pound or maybe even the euro to pay for goods. We don't ride in double-decker buses. I don't watch cricket. And in this selection of scripture that we just read, Paul writes to the church in Corinth talking about fathers of yesteryear. The Israelites, the chosen ones who had said that they were faithful under the blood of Abraham. They had the same word. They had been told of the same textures and scriptures that we know of, that we read of, that we believe of. We've got the same word. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. They had it. They had been given it. They walked the same terra firma, it says, but that scripture said, but with most of them, God was not well pleased. For their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. They had been left to the side. They had lost the war. They had graves and tombs and plots of the chosen people that had lost the way. They were defeated by an enemy that they should not have lost to, church. They shouldn't have lost. Amen. So how? Why? Why in our battles do we lose? Why in the battle? How do we lose? Because Romans 8, 38 and 39 says, For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. We believe that, right? Yeah. Amen. We trust in that. So how is it that we then can say that there are things that easily beset us? In Hebrews 12 and 1, that let us lay aside every weight, the sin which so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. So if that's the case, if we hold fast to this principle of all that we do, if nothing's supposed to stop us, then how do we lose? Can't lose. Won't lose. Then how do we lose? We believe and we stand upon it. Then why in this present day world do bodies still hit the floor? Then we talk about brother so-and-so and sister so-and-so and they don't win. That we know in our own lives that there are things that easily beset us. Let's be honest. Things that we know that, oh, I've had victory, and then they still defeat us. Not big things, not major things. I am full belief, this is Pastor Will's opinion. That for most Christians, when there are mighty battles to be waged in our lives, we know to go boldly before the throne and beseech the almighty Alpha and Omega. We know who's the author and finisher of all faith. We know where our redemption draweth. 
That just like the British army knew that in large, massive, mighty battles, they would overwhelm, they would swarm, they would defeat just because of their resources walking among this planet. By sheer number and sheer will, they would win. But yet, here we are, the United States of America, that this 4th of July, we are going to celebrate it for the 247th time. America. With our barbecues and our trips to the lake. All that good stuff. Bar hot dogs and our national pastime of baseball. Apple pie. Why is it that with all that we still won? And they still lost. One of the greatest revolutionary historians is named Adam Zelensky. And in his historical analysis of our nation's first war, he states there are two main reasons why we won this war. And they overlap each other. The first is that our armies fought the British army like none of them had ever fought ever before in modern warfare. Because before this war, the British were used to what was called the gentleman's warfare. You lined up your battalions in lines. You took turns shooting at each other. You had breaks for lunch and tea. You would end at a certain time of the day for dinner and entertainment for the high-ranking officials. And you would do it all over again the next day and the next day. And oh, by the way, you typically wouldn't fight on weekends or Sundays. But not us, not the colonials, because as we had lived in the new western frontier, we had had skirmishes with the natives called guerrilla warfare. And in that guerrilla warfare, we learned how to hide behind things and not be out right in the front where people could aim for us and shoot. And we shot all the time. We didn't wait for volleys back and forth. We knew how to raid at night. And attack when they weren't expecting it. So, I mean, how nice that a bunch of shoulder, soldiers would line up in red uniforms, by the way. Nice and easy to see. Waiting for their turn to shoot that never came. All expecting this battle from 9 to 5. Requesting for tea time and dinner and a show. And they would say, how dare these savages attack us and raid us in camps at night. On Saturdays and Sundays, no liver, no, no doubt. Church, how dare us expect all of us to walk in here on a Sunday with a smile, all dressed up, not expecting, oh, nothing's going on in my life. Everything is good. There's no volleys in here right now, right? We're all good. There's no issues, right? There's no volley coming at me. And then walk out and think that everything is okay because nothing, no wars, no battles happened in here, right? We all sang our songs. We all hugged each other and everything walks out. And we're all kumbaya. There are battles happening right now in your mind. There are battles happening right now in your hearts. There are battles happening right now in your soul. And you have to battle that warfare right now. Don't wait for me to tell you something. Don't wait for the song to be saying. Don't wait for the right scripture. You fight that battle right now. You fight that battle. Because if not, when you walk out that door, the battle's already been lost. You're fighting battles from the moment you wake until you lay your head down at night. And you're probably fighting that battle in your sleep. And that's why you're not sleeping at night. That skirmish happens all the time. Now the problem is we forget who wins the battle. We battle and we battle and we battle. Jeremiah 32 and 27 says, I am the Lord, the God of all mankind. Is there anything too hard for me? But we got to remember that scripture is committed to us that in our eternal lives, it will not be won in a gentleman's battle. Yes, Satan's not willing to accept fighting during normal hours. Right. 
The pressure of life doesn't shut off at 5 p.m. Most of us go home and we have some more battles in our life looking at our checkbooks, dealing with the stresses of life with family issues. Adversary is not going to stand off in front of us and accept the routine response because he knows he has a short time. But what is a short time in response for eternity? We're talking about eternity, folks. Because what is affliction to the demon who desires to kill, steal, and destroy? He's not just interested in giving you a headache, church. He wants to behead you. He wants to separate you from the head, which is Christ. Forget light affliction. He wants to steal your soul. And the routine of lining up and firing the same volley over and over again, saying the same simple prayer over and over again, saying the same simple patty cake over and over again, will not keep you from losing the war. It takes a revolution. It takes the exception. It takes the desire. It takes the hunger to defeat an enemy that wanders the earth looking for whom he might devour. We put on the whole armor every day, church. The whole armor, because we know our battle is not against flesh and blood. We're not fighting others. We know there's movements out there. We know there's people that believe other things. We're not fighting them. We're not attacking them. It doesn't matter their political desires. It doesn't matter their sexual beliefs. We're not fighting them. We're fighting principalities and powers, spiritual wickedness, powers against rulers of the darkness of the age. That's what we're fighting. Grace Point is more than just a church. It's more than just a building. It's a revolution. We are in a revolutionary place. There's a reason that we do the things we do, and it's not just for this building on Sundays and Wednesdays. There's a reason we had prayer in the park yesterday. There's a reason that we have end time ministry. There's a reason that we have revival by design. There's a reason we're sending our youth to church uh, to Congress this summer. It's because we're a revolution. To win this world, to win this city, to win our souls, to win our families. It's a revolution, church. And we have to win this war. We have to win this battle. There is no other option. We cannot win a wave a white flag. It's impossible. The problem is, is that if we find ourselves waving a white flag, it's often because of two reasons. Either apathy or ignorance. Someone was once asked, what is the difference between the two? And they replied, I don't know and I don't care. But we've come to tear down those strongholds. We defeat darkness when we as the body shine light. Because last night, last week, whenever that was, when you're in ministry, you reach to that city, you reach to that person, you reach to that family member, you reach to that coworker that needs that Savior. When we meet in small groups, when we meet with our friends, when we meet in fellowship, we take what we've unearthed in here and we pour it back out out there. We all know the story of the talents in the Bible. You know what it means if you just keep it in here, right? It's lost because it wasn't meant just for you. When Pastor Rab talked about the other day about return on investment, inflation, all stuff, he's a genius when it comes to investing. Because right now, if you just put it in a savings account, guess what? You're losing money. Because based on interest rates and inflation, it's losing money. And if you go to him, he's going to give you all the things that you can do and tools that you can go and invest it in so you can make money. God didn't give you your gifts just to stick it in here. Because guess what? You're losing your gifts. 
You're losing your abilities. You're losing your talents. You're losing all that stuff. So just coming to service, you've put on the army uniform. You've enlisted into the army, but you're burying your talent. You haven't gone to war. You're just sitting in camp. You haven't gone to war. And you're losing. There's no return on investment. Now, I've been blessed. God's given me a great ability to work with kids. That's my passion. I love kids. If you're a kid right now, stand up. If you're a little one. Great. Now, come up here. Mitchell, Holden, Bailey, come here. Come on. Y'all sit right there. Oh, I might. Sorry. Oh, now I'm going to kill it. Here, I'm going to. Oh. Yeah, I'm going to go back up here. Y'all sit down. Look at these guys. Yeah, not bad. Not bad. <laughs> oh, okay. He's like, not so much. Smiling faces, happy people, hopefully. Awesome, awesome. I think I heard you say it. I see the next 10 years. I see the next 20 years. I see people who are going to be up here. I see people who are working back there. I'm going to see people who are reaching out to lost souls. I'm going to see people who might be going to missionaries. I'm going to see people who are going to win the next souls in 20, 10 and 20 years. Because here's the deal. In 10, 20, 30 years, there are going to be some people that, hey, you don't want me maybe up here. You may want them. That's what I see. I see people who are going to be doing God's work the next generation. And that's why it's important to let them know that they need to be armed. They need to be prepared. They need to be equipped. They need to know that they're loved. And they need to know that they're worth it. That's my gift. That's my desire. That's what I need to do. Okay, you guys can go. <laughs> now, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Hopefully I step on somebody's toes. Here's I'm supposed to step on somebody's toes. Okay. Taylor, where's Ben? And then where? Who's running our nursery department? Who's running our nursery department? Nobody. Tyler, Luke, Bailey, where's your youth group? Nobody. We don't have a youth group. Nobody's filled that burden yet. We need arm or army. We need army. We need army. We need army. That's, that's just my department. I'm sorry. I'm over it. So that's my fault. So that, that, that needs to convict me. That needs to hit me right in the gut. That's my thing. But here's the thing. Tom Rainier in his book, Becoming a Welcoming Church, you know, he says the two most important things are for a guest when they come into a church. One is the website. Two is the people at the first door. Because when they walk in, first of all, they, they check us on the website before they ever come in. And the second thing is they need to have the most important people at the door shaking their hand and greeting them and walking them in. It's not who's at the, at the pulpit. It's not the people who are singing. It's the people that greet them at the front door. Those are the two most important people. So if, you have a, if, we, if I ask you what your ministry is and what you do and you can't answer that question, you need to be at the front door. You need to be out in the parking lot. You need to be somewhere doing something because if not, you're just sitting in the camp. You're not working on the battlefield yet. You need to be doing something. You need to be praying for your ministry. You need to be praying to be in the warfare. You need to be in the battle. Because if you're not, you're losing. You're losing the war. Get in the war. 
Get in the war. Find your battle. Pray for your battle. Seek your battle. Otherwise, you're losing. And that leads me to the last point. The last point Zelensky makes is this thesis, because I talked about Satan, but we give Satan way too much credit. Too many times in our life, when something happens, we give affliction, we have issues, we have problems of life. It's just problems of life. He can't be everywhere. He can't do everything. He can't do anything that we don't allow him to do. He can't do anything we don't allow him to do. Zelensky said that the biggest reason the British Army lost it was the upstart colonials was because they defeated themselves. In many cases, they flat out refused to take care of their supplies because they knew the skirmish they thought would soon be over. In other circumstances, they looted themselves. One battalion would go rob the other battalion because they thought they had better food or better weapons. Or other times they were just too lazy to obey orders and obey duties, thus causing conflicts, and they begin to shoot and kill each other. Often they did not take care of their own weaponry, so when they begin to shoot it, it exploded upon themselves, killing their own selves. Division, divisiveness, gossip. Lastly, they made multiple attacks upon other countries. French outposts, Dutch outposts, German and Spanish outposts. So guess what? They began attacking them. We go and mess with stuff that we don't even need to be messing with. And we let it become a problem in our lives. Things begin to irritate us and we actually give it issue in our life when we should just leave it alone. You have a bad day? Leave it alone. It's a day. Somebody bothers you? Leave it alone. This too shall pass. Church, we know that we are joint heirs. Ephesians 1 and 5 says, Having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, God Almighty already won this battle. He is the Alpha and the Omega. Everything in between, he's already taken care of. The problem is, is we lose it in between. There's already an inheritance. And so many times people already spend their inheritance before it gets to them. They mess it up. God's already drawn up the battle plans, provided the ammo, laid out the victory. And yet so many soldiers are already lost. The great theologian, groups of theologians called the Foo Fighters. See, last week you used Erica Badu. I will use the Foo Fighters. They have a song called The Best of You. And the lyrics say, has someone taken your faith? It's real the pain you feel. Your trust you must confess. Is someone getting the best, the best, the best of you? Is someone getting the best, the best, the best of you? Has someone taken your faith? It's real the pain you feel. The life, the love you die to heal. The hope that starts the broken hearts. Your trust you must confess. Is someone getting the best, the best the best of you. Now here's the thing. They talk about it on a secular level because they don't know what we know. Because here's the question. Has someone already given up? Has somebody already died? Has somebody already broken for us? The answer, we already know that answer. It's Jesus Christ. That love that somebody died for us to be healed is Jesus. He took all of that. But in return for that, we should give to him everything about ourselves. Everything. But it asks that question, is someone getting the best of us? 
Is that somebody Jesus? Is he getting the best of us? Because when we wake up, when we look at ourselves in the morning, sometimes you don't even want to look at yourself in the morning. But when you do, when you look at yourself in the morning, the biggest adversary you will ever face is looking you square in the eyes. There is no demon, no monster, no organization, no nothing that will be bigger adversary than the one you look at right there. And yes, life is going to throw pain at you. There are going to be times that a doctor is going to tell you something you don't want to hear. There are going to be times that that boss is going to throw at you a TPS report you don't want to fill out. There will be times that you look at your bank statement and you don't like the commas and the dots. There are going to be some relationships that just may be broken and it's going to be really hard to re reconcile them. And it's going to hurt to get there. Let's be honest, church. There are some times with your own family, they may feel that it drives you insane. Hey, I love you guys. That's not us. I love y'all. <laughs> but there are some family relationships. My wife knows. My stepfather. Based on my growing up, I told him I love him and I forgive him, but he will never be in my life again. Because of the relationship we had growing up. If I see him, I'll treat him as kind and loving and I, I pray for him to have a good life, but he will not be in my life because of that relationship growing up. And that was difficult to do. It just cannot be that way. But that's the reality is that the biggest adversary that we deal with on a day is ours. Because Satan, it says that he's a lion that walks about as a roaring lion. But the truth is that lions are typically horrible hunters in the wild. If you search them, they're barely in the top ten because they cannot kill strong and healthy other animals. On average, they kill about 200 people a year. That's less than a half a person a day, like one every other day. Because if Jesus wanted to let you know that there was something that was really deadly to kill you, he'd say that Satan was like a mosquito. Come on you know how many mosquito, people mosquitoes kill a year? 400,000. They kill 1,100 people a day. That's a killer right there. Not a lion. Lions wait for old and weak and isolated people. And once you're isolated and once you're weak and once you've given up, that's when he kills. Galatians 2 and 20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. When I have given up into that, when I have crucified myself and say, Jesus, I give myself to you. And in all these situations I deal with, my flesh doesn't control me anymore. My mind doesn't control me anymore. My heart doesn't control me anymore. Those things will take place. My mind is going to give me some issues. My heart is going to give me some issues. But I've crucified myself unto you. I cannot be defeated. Rocky Marciano ain't got nothing on me. He was a boxer who was 40 and 0. I'm now eternity and 0. Psalms 56, 3 and 4 says, When I am afraid, I put my trust in you, in God, whose word I praise. In God I trust, I shall not be afraid. What can flesh do to me? Notice he didn't say, what can Satan do to me? What can the world do to me? He said, what can flesh do to me? And if you've ever played Mad Libs before, you have the line that you can put words in. I'm not trying to change the word because you're not supposed to and you can't. But just imagine if you took out the word afraid and you put in any other adjective. When I'm afraid, when I'm sick, when I'm sad, when I'm mad, when I'm confused, when I'm conflicted, 
I put my trust in you. Church, there's a revolutionary war to be won by the church, by you, by me, by us. Because we are on the right side. But only we can defeat ourselves. Nobody else. I ask you as I close today, as singers, musicians come, that as you stand in that mirror of life, and we have it in our minds, in our hearts, in our souls, in our spirits, as we take spiritual inventory of where we stand today. Are you trying to live this as a gentleman's war? That, hey, you can just get up and do the same routines over and over again and expect the same resu or different results? Because that's the definition of insanity. Right. Doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. Right. So if you're dealing with different afflictions and different problems and they don't go away, you know what that problem is? You're doing the same things over and over again and expecting different results. Right. I'm not saying you're insane. I'm just saying you maybe want to change the way you're doing things. Maybe you need to seek something in God a little bit different than the way you've normally been doing it. Maybe you need to ask God about that. Maybe you need to shake some things up. Do you feel like you've been run over and attacked on all sides and it can't be stopped? Is something in your mind just being battered about? Does your heart feel like it's being crushed? Does your spirit feel like something needs to move but you're just stuck in concrete? It can. You just need that revelation between you and Jesus. You need to remove yourself from everything else and just seek Him and call on Him. Just you and Him. Separate everything else because He already knows what you're thinking. He already knows what you're feeling. He just needs you to release it to Him so that He can release back unto you. Stand with me, church. As we begin to sing... If you want to come to the front, if you don't, maybe you should. That's up to you. Whatever you do, open your heart, open your mind, open your spirit, and allow this time between you and your Lord to seek for some victories in your life. There are no draws in heaven. There should be no draws here on earth. If our Lord's prayers to let heaven be on earth, there should be no draws in your life. The only way you lose is if you allow that, de that defeat. So whether you need repentance, whether you need refreshing, whether you need restoration, transformation, whatever that need is in your life, only you and Christ know what that may be. But your opportunity is now, don't walk out these doors without defeating whatever that attack is in your life church. Let's worship. Let's sing.